When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Wednesday Bible study. Uh, so thankful that you are back. Uh, hopefully, last week as we took a, a rare week off, you had had time to catch up. Maybe you'd miss some. You'd go catch an archive. Maybe you went back to some past Bible studies. If you ever want to do that, it's real simple. Just go to themanchurch.com, uh, and you'll see up at the top of the website it says media. Click on that. It'll drop down. It'll say either you want to listen to them. That means you know you're, if you're riding, you just use the audio archives. If you want to watch them, uh, then you can you can watch them as a group or by yourself or however you want to do that. Uh, and you just scroll down and you find the ones that you're looking for. They're all right there for you. A couple of things I do want to make you aware of uh, before we jump in today. Today we'll be in Revelation six. Uh, things are going to take a drastic turn today, and uh, and we will be talking uh, about that. We'll get as deep into six as we can. I don't think we'll get it all in, but we'll get um, as much as possible in the hour that we have been allotted. Some things you need to know: themanchurch.com. Uh, this is a this is a place where churches go, or in, individual groups go, individual men go, and say, "I want to grow up spiritually." Uh, if you don't have a men's discipleship uh, strategy at your church, we have that for you. Uh, we've got uh, speakers that come out for High Challenge in the Man Church services. We also offer a curriculum. We have three 40-week curriculum. Our fourth curriculum is going to be out in April, so that's coming up very soon. So we'll have four at that time. These curriculum take you through an entire year of small groups. So our men come out for the services or events, and that's the High Challenge. We provide the curriculum for high equipping. If you're just looking for individual resources, we have those too. We have 40-day devotionals. We have uh, resources by other authors that we that we trust that will be great for you or you and your son or you and a couple of guys if you want to do that. Our latest one uh, is called Transform. Uh, this was just released uh, in the last 30 days. Transformed, uh, embracing the death of self and the power of God. It is a 31 day devotional. Uh, some of the guys have been, even before we started the, this Bible study in the room, uh, were talking to me about uh, how much they're enjoying this. Uh, this is the first uh, individual resource that we've ever released uh, that I was honored enough to uh, be asked to write all of the commentary. Uh, these are 31 uh, uh, verses in Scripture. Uh, and all of them deal with uh, with God speaking to us about his power to transform us into a completely new creation. You may have heard that before and said, yeah, I've heard that concept before, but this is going to ask a, a, a question that Paul tells the church at Corinth to ask in uh, 2 Corinthians 13. He says, examine yourself and see if you see the evidence that you truly have been transformed by Christ. I had to deal with this in my own life, which is why this project meant so much to me, uh, and also the fact that the the, the, the fastest-growing religion in our society in the West right now is the worship of self. Uh, of course, no, no uh, surprise here. Christ says actually deny yourself. Uh, so uh, embracing the death of self and the power of God transformed is available at themanchurch.com. You can get that, and that would be a great little resource for you. A couple of things I'll let you know about that I'm going to feature today. And, and if you want to see where there's other speakers going out from our team, go to themanchurch.com, look under events. But I want to draw your attention to a couple of things that's happening. Uh, I have the honor to go April the 14th to, to Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, there's there's a group of men up there at Westside Church. They've been doing the strategy. Uh, one of the guys reached out and said, is there any hope that you could come up here and do something with our guys in the room? They've been watching you on the curriculum. Uh, any shot you could come to Omaha, Nebraska? And I said, well, you know what? We will make it happen. So I, I'm looking forward to being there. I am flying commercial, so who knows when I'll get there. Uh, but anyway, uh, so it's April 14th and 15th. Uh, I was going to speak both days. But he and I think the odds of me speaking on Friday night to flying commercial aren't very high. Uh, but uh, their pastor is going to do Friday night. If I get there in time, I'll also do something on Friday night. But definitely Saturday morning, 
on the 15th. So for Westside Church, Omaha, Nebraska, look it for that link at themanchurch.com. Over on BurgessMinistries.com, this is uh, my wife and I, uh, the ministry that God has given us. Uh, my wife and I are going down to Brandon, Florida, near Tampa. Uh, we'll be at Bell Shows Church there doing their marriage conference. It's a one-day marriage conference on April the 21st. You can find that at BurgessMinistries.com. I know a lot of the ladies that watch this, uh, you'll ask me, when's Sherry going to do something? When you and Sherry going to do something? Well, there's a marriage conference down near Tampa if you want to join us for that. All right, let's open up in a word of prayer, and let's jump right into the Revelation chapter 6. Lord, thank you for today. We we do have much to cover. Uh, we we got to really get our mind right uh, for today and, and our spirit uh, sensitive and ready to hear from you as, uh, as we look at these incredible events today, Lord. Help us to discern them properly through the power of the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. So we know that Revelation chapter 6, the Bible, uh, it, it, it teaches, and you'll, you'll see this through the process. Let me just break it to everybody just so you know, so it won't surprise you. It doesn't mean we won't have moments where things will be okay and all that. You and I live in fallen bodies in a fallen creation, and it's not going to get any better. Okay? The Bible teaches over and over again, you will not have heaven in this fallen creation. That's not possible anymore. You'll have glimpses of heaven, and you can certainly have times of joy and times of peace, and there's nothing wrong with that. But but if your whole world is based on happiness, meaning, you know, I, I hope I can be happy, joyful is different than happy. Uh, and, and I think that once you have been redeemed and you realize that the biggest problem you and I have and that is the sin problem that that none of us can can earn our way into the presence of a holy God. All of us are equal at the foot of the cross and our need of for redemption. If you've been redeemed, I'm going to tell you this today. I will be as close as you'll ever see me today pleading with you to be redeemed. If you have not been redeemed by Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, I'm begging you, you don't want what's coming. You don't want what's coming. And, and so for the redeemed, we look to the cross and we look, we look at a holy God and we see hope and we see joy and we see peace provided only by, by the redemption that only Christ offers. He can only make us fully righteous, but we must be made fully righteous, okay? Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to still see some difficult things, but he says that's going to happen, John 16, 33. But when, when it happens, remember, don't forget that this is not how it ends for the redeemed. As C.S. Lewis said, for the redeemed, this world we're in right now is the only hell you and I are ever going to see. But if you have not been redeemed, this is the only heaven you're ever going to see. This is as good as it gets. Okay? So, and boy, today, you're, you're really going to be thinking, if you ever doubt it, just hang on. What we're going to see today, and we'll get through as much of as much of we can, we'll finish it next week. And I know that most Bible studies do not quote Bachman-Turner Overdrive. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet, okay? And we're going to talk about why that is, okay? And, and so, but I want to prepare you that the Bible teaches that the world is headed not to peace, not to unity, but toward a final I mean, cataclysmic war, which is the Battle of Armageddon, which we'll get to in Revelation 16. But here's what you got to be prepared for, okay? And this is where that discernment of the Holy Spirit is important. Some friends and I had lunch yesterday, and I've tried to tell you this over and over again, and I've learned it too. Is, is it true that if we are in Christ, then, then there is nothing that can come against us? Yes. Doesn't mean we won't have difficulty. Doesn't mean we won't struggle. It doesn't even mean we won't be martyred or killed in some gruesome way. Doesn't mean that at all. A lot of people who uh, are much more devout than I am, because uh, I'm still growing, and they suffered some pretty, pretty horrible deaths as far as on earth. But like the Apostle Paul said, to live as Christ, to die as gain for the redeemed. Okay, so this is no promise of an easy ride. As a matter of fact, sometimes when you decide to follow Jesus, it's a tougher ride. But you're going to something better. But 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 understand that this is going to continue to get worse. And if you want to today, if you want to have a, a New Testament chapter that you can track with, 
you know, I always take you back to Daniel. We've been also we've been to uh, you know Ezekiel, and those are all Old Testament things we we look at that track with this. But if you want something in the New Testament, I'm talking about almost verbatim of Revelation chapter six is Matthew twenty four. Jesus is going to talk about what we're talking about today, and he's telling those uh, those disciples, he's telling the apostles about what John sees. I mean, they, they track almost identical. So if you want to make a note of that, I'm not going to go back and read everything in Matthew 24, but you might want to make a note of that. So what you got to watch out for and i got to watch out for is the adversary, who, by the way, right now is the ultimate authority on the fallen earth. Now, he's not the ultimate authority uh, of the universe. That's the one and only living God. But this fallen creation, Satan right now has a lot of power and a lot of reign right here. And listen, he is defeated by the one and only living God. He's defeated by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But he's not a homecoming game. Okay? He is gonna, he's going to try to take as many people with him as he possibly can. And he's good, okay? We don't bring glory to him, but you better respect the fact that you and I have no chance against him without Jesus. None, okay? And he's crafty, and and some of the stuff you look at and you go, oh, look how wicked and evil that is. Yeah, I mean, he's part of that, but we can all see that. What you better watch and I better watch is the stuff that looks perfectly okay. Because it's that subtle stuff is where he really gets it done. He did this from the very beginning. That's how he started. Is that what God really said? And like I told all of you a thousand times, he'll convince you. He knows a lot of you are too smart. He knows there's too much evidence of God. He knows there's too much evidence of Jesus' resurrection. And so uh, with, with most of you that have got that information, he's not even going to try that. Because he knows that it's, he's, he's fine with you believing what his demons believed. But what he's going to try to convince you is that you need to do something just not today. And he's going to try to just not today you till you're never doing it, and Jesus is going to come back or you're going to be dead. Okay? He's, he's just If he can just get you to delay. Now, some of the things that he's doing right now, and I've talked about some of this, he's already know he knows because that he's defeated. Now he doesn't know who the antichrist is yet. He he's not omniscient. He's he's not omnipresent. Uh, and he tries to rise, raise up these antichrists and some of them none of them, none of them have stuck. He's tried to take over the world through these people. He's trying to make this event happen because he knows it's coming. He doesn't know when and he doesn't know how. But now what he is doing is he's trying to come up with ways to explain What's coming? So you'll still think it's not God, and this and this has been going on for a while, and you better pay attention. One of them is this ongoing man-made climate change thing. You mark my words. All this is is a way for these disasters that are coming to be explained as well. That's not God handing out His wrath. That's just that's just man-made climate change. That's what that is. So he, he, he and, and there's a lot of things that, that, that he's doing. I go as far, now this is just my opinion, and, and it's a little off the beaten path, and, and I could be wrong. I think this UFO crap is all this too. How are you going to explain the rapture of the church? How are you going to explain all these people are gone? Aliens took them away. You know, when these people, because I've, I've interviewed people on, the, on the, the day job. I've interviewed people on the day job. Some of them are complete scams. They're trying to get attention. But I have interviewed people. I don't know what happened to them, but something did. Okay. Now, I'm not saying they were carried off by spaceships or all that kind of stuff because I don't believe that. Uh, but I'm telling you, something happened to them. I think it's demonic is what I think it is. And, and, and what it is is they've experienced demons, and they've been caught up in because the spiritual realm we know is real. I always say this about Bigfoot and, and, and UFOs. I've read the Bible and I know there's a spiritual dimension and there is a spiritual war that's going on that if we could see it, we'd never sleep another night, okay? And the fact that demons and angels and God exist, I don't need Bigfoot and UFOs. That's plenty, okay, for me to work with. And, uh, and so that, that kind of stuff, that's pretty impressive and uh, in, in the things that, that happen in the spiritual realm. But think about it. If if you knew you know if you knew Billy Ray and you know he loves Jesus and also one day Billy Ray's gone 
and you go down to the local church. Of course, there'll be a lot of people still there than than thought they were going to be. But but you walk you walk down there, and and there are some of those people gone. Look, every time that I thought the rapture had come, I just called my grandmother, and and if she answered the phone, I say no, it wasn't, it wasn't today, and uh, and so. And so, but, but, but here's the thing. She's gone on to glory now, so I don't have that marker anymore. But there's, there's people that we should be looking for. But what I'm saying is, what if somebody, what if all of a sudden the big news stories were, no, 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 this is not fulfillment of prophecy. This is UFOs. We're being attacked from another world. How would you form a one-world government? A con- common enemy that comes what? From somewhere else. So all these things you're seeing is 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 the adversary setting up explanation for prophecy. It's not God. It's all happening naturally. It's all happening by UFOs. Some of the things evolution, you know, oh there's no real evidence that God exists. The universe uh, resulted by chance. Life forms gradually emerged over millions of years and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, all these attempts to do away with God. Uh, situational ethics. Man is the final authority of his own actions. There's no absolute rules. There's no absolute truth. There's no absolute good and bad. And see, some of y'all laughed at that decades ago because you thought, well, there's certain things that we all agree are just right and wrong. Y'all still think that? Hey, that, 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 that's getting grayer and grayer and grayer moral freedom you know that's been the cool thing you know including children of any age should be exposed to all viewpoints that are realistic including profanity immorality perversion all these things are acceptable methods of what self-expression the worship of self now remember think about this watch for stuff like this okay as i'm preparing you for revelation 6 right now the world says that if smut comes into your house, that's your job as a parent or a grandparent to protect the children in the house based on your own truths. That's your job. But when something about Christ wants to come into your house, the government will step in to stop that from happening. They'll protect your children from Jesus, but it's your job to protect them from everything else. But now when it comes to Jesus, we'll step in. When it comes to, to, to the church, we'll step in and protect you from them. But everything else, that's just your job as a parent. You ain't got to watch it. You don't have to hear it. Well, I don't have to watch and listen to Jesus do I either. Well, we'll stop that. Don't worry about that. We got you covered on that. You don't see the, the difference in that? See, that's a supernatural act right there. Why, why do they not see that the same way? Because deep down, they know he exists. Deep down, we all know, as Paul said, uh, self-sufficiency. Man is not accountable to any higher power. We're responsible for ourselves. Sexual permissiveness. All forms of sexual expression are acceptable. Should be taught everywhere. Everybody should be exposed to, uh, exposed to that. Anti-religious bias. Just saw that yesterday, uh, the last few days. Uh, re- what's the problem? What do you hear now from all the all those out there? We even, for the first time in our lives, have evangelical atheists. They're not dissatisfied with them not having believing in God. They think you shouldn't either. And they're trying to change your mind to it. It's not a two each his own anymore because why? What you believe is dangerous. If we didn't have all the, this, these church people and we didn't have all this absolute truth stuff, we wouldn't have all the problems with this world. Religion is the problem. There's wars fought over religion. If we could remove the conviction, especially the Christians, we, we, we're not upset with anybody else in their belief system. They have to go them and their exclusivity, one way to heaven. Now, there's other religions that believe some pretty incredible things too, but isn't it interesting they get a pass? You know why they get a pass? Because it's not the truth. He doesn't care if everybody believes that. Uh, so socialism, government ownership and control of the economy should replace private enterprise, private property. There, there should be an all-pervasive welfare state. Who do the socialists always eventually income get? Throughout history, the church. Why? Because they know deep down followers of Christ do not declare allegiance to any higher power, including the government. The one world government, global citizenship. You're hearing about that a lot, don't you? We're all one, we're all one citizenship. It's all one globe. We all need to work together. You're hearing that? Death education, no life beyond the grave. Euthanasia should be employed. Suicide endorsed as acceptable ways to determine that life. If somebody's miserable here, they ought to be allowed to just end their own life. That's taking away the authority that God is the one who decides. Human destiny. Man should take charge of his own future. Realize that he has within himself the power to achieve the world and his dreams. All of this 
All these things I just mentioned are all setting up to try to explain away what's going to happen. Well, John now in Revelation chapter 6, you know, we've just seen what, is, what has happened uh, until the world, uh, until the end of that final battle, the world's going to continue to deteriorate, and the fallen world will fall deeper into chaos, confusion, and sin. War is going to increase. Crime will escalate. Economic upheaval will be the – it'll come and go all the time. Unprecedented natural disasters, as I said. Matthew 24 talks about that too. These will all mark the outpouring of God's wrath on the falling and rebellious world. In Revelation 5, we saw Jesus take the scroll as the only one worthy of the deed to the world. Each seal that we're about to talk about will be broken. And, and, and every time one breaks, this will reveal the details of how God's wrath and judgment will be poured out on sinful mankind as the Lord takes back creation from Satan. And Jesus is going to tell, show John how these things roll out. Now, if you are pre-trib and I am, the church will be gone before this starts. Now, you're going to get confused by that, so let me help you, because you're going to start hearing about martyrs for the faith during the tribulation. Now, many will grab that and say, well, that shows the church goes through the tribulation. Not so fast. Uh, there will be people. God is so gracious. Now, let me tell you something. Don't make this your plan. <laughs> this is not the way to go, okay? Uh, you don't want any part of the tribulation, okay? But in God's grace, he loves you enough to give you your best shot. And there will be people that will repent and say, he is real as the age of grace has one final run, okay? I will repent. I do see what's happening. I will not deny God any longer. Now, here's the unfortunate part. Of course, it's better than hell. The unfortunate part, if you're going to wait and hope you repent during the tribulation, you will likely, not probably, likely be martyred immediately. And we're going to see that. John's going to see that. You, no one will allow you to just walk around and be a follower of Jesus during the tribulation. You'll be killed almost instantly. So, uh, so you, you don't want any part of that. Uh, but again, that is God being gracious, and He's going to send all kinds of evangelists. You know, we're going to we're going to have one hundred forty four thousand Jewish evangelists. We're going to have the two um, uh, messengers that come. Uh, so that, that there's going to be a shot. But hear me, as I beg of you again. Repent now. You don't want any part of that. You, you, don't, you don't want any part of that. Uh, and you're going to see that. As I said, the, you think things are bad right now. You think a natural disaster is bad right now. Let the church be gone. You think there's murder right now, and there is. Take the church out of this society. Okay? You think there's disease right now? Take the church out of society. This salt is, 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 is God's wrath is, is not what it's going to be because of the church still being here. But when he takes the church to himself and then the wrath comes unrestrained, back to what I said a minute ago, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. So um, Jesus has now done that. Now, each scroll is going to represent a specific divine judgment that will be poured out in, in sequence on earth. So these are sequences. They're not random. Okay, this is sequence. The seven seals encompass the entire period of the tribulation. So uh, the, the first four seals will be the first half of the tribulation, that three and a half years. The fifth is going to be us transitioning from that three and a half to the final three and a half. Um, uh, and then, that, of course, the last is what called the Great Tribulation. Uh, and, uh, and then the last three and a half years will encompass that. Jesus also discusses this in Matthew 24. I'm really driving home 24 for you today. All right, so let me tell you what they are before we start them. Seal 1 is going to be a brief false peace. This, the Antichrist is going to promote a false peace. That's Seal 1. Seal 2 will be worldwide war. Seal 3 will be worldwide famine. Seal 4 will be natural disasters that we've never seen before. Seal 5 will be those that are being martyred who are confessing and repenting, but they will be martyred. Seal 6, uh, the sky uh, is going to go completely black. There will be major physical changes to the earth. And then Seal 7 
will be the final return of Jesus to complete the final battle of Armageddon. So, so the first four are kind of like birth pangs. So let's talk about the first one. Uh, here is Revelation 6, verse 1. This is John. Here's what he sees next. Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures. Make a note of that. Remember the living creatures we talked about? Say with a voice like thunder, come. So now one of the living creatures says, come. Now he's not saying that to John. He's saying that to the first horseman. Okay, you've heard of the the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse? That's the first, that's what we're about to see, the, the first four. Okay, so And I looked, and behold, a white horse... And a rider had a bow, underline that, that's important, and a crown was given him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. Okay, so let's talk about who this is. Um, So the praise has ceased, and now the anticipation of the coming judgment, the the scene shifts now from heaven to now where John is watching now the refining or the destruction of the fallen earth. And, uh, and, and and that word that has been spoken, come to the horseman by the living creature. Now this horseman rolls out. Horses always are associated with triumph, majesty, power, conquest, war. But m- be clear because there are you got to be careful here because I know some of you may already be thinking about, about this. Oh, this is Jesus. It's not Jesus. Okay, You're, Jesus is coming in on a white horse at the Battle of Armageddon, but that's not who this is. Okay, this is Antichrist. Okay, or represents Antichrist. There's two different views in some of the commentary. Some say literally that's the Antichrist sitting on the horse. Others say, well, it represents the time of the Antichrist, but still the same concept. Jesus will be on a white horse. That is true as he prepares for Armageddon. But uh, this represents Antichrist. There's a bow. Jesus is going to have a sword. There's a bow and a crown. And remember, the crown in this case is given to him. He's not, he's not really worthy of it. That, that's all important, okay? Those two things are very important. And, 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 the, and, the, and the word here that they're using is Stephanus, that, that crown. This is a crown like you won in a, as a prize. You, it doesn't represent that you're royalty. Somehow you got a crown because you did something or somebody gave it to you, okay? It's almost like getting an honorary doctorate, okay? Uh, so, so Jesus uh, wears many royal crowns, okay? And, uh, you know, Didemus is what you'll hear when Jesus comes out. Uh, but this rider has a bow. Jesus has a sword. This is the beginning of the tribulation. It's not the end of the tribulation. That's important. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, um, it, it represents the forces that will work with Antichrist to trick the world into an obsession with worldwide peace, an obsession with it, okay, at any cost. Now, see, what we all know through world history is what? The only thing that peace follows is absolute victory. We have never seen peace really be achieved any other way. Somebody has to win. Okay? So so in this case, though, there'll be a time where the world is obsessed with worldwide peace, and they're willing to have it at any cost, giving up your weapons, giving up whatever it takes. The longing will set up the Antichrist as the answer, and he will deceive the world, but particularly he's going to deceive Israel. Okay? And, uh, and this, he's going to make a pact with Israel, and of course we know that pact is not going to last, but he will. Uh, and, when, and when it doesn't last, the terrors will, will be a period of false worldwide peace Again, it's not going to last. Daniel talks about this. If you want to reference this in the Old Testament, Daniel's talking about this in Daniel 9.27. This is Daniel's talk of the 70th week of tribulation prophecy. That's what all this is about. The Bible, it, it, it warns us of the deadly lure of false peace, and not just in Daniel and not just in the Revelation. Jeremiah talks about this. Jeremiah 6.14, Jeremiah 8.11, if you want to write that down. Uh, and what did what did he what does Jeremiah say? He says prophets claiming peace with no sword. See Jeremiah said, "Watch that! If somebody's going to come in and negotiate peace, uh, and, and Jeremiah fourteen thirteen, uh, the Lord says that these that are out telling everybody that peace is coming without a sword, these are the words of the Lord. You know what he says to Jeremiah? That didn't come from me. I didn't say that." 
So whoever's saying that, they're not they're not one of my prophets. Uh, and and Paul warns in First Thessalonians five three, write that down. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will become uh, will come upon them suddenly, like labor pains upon a woman with a child, and they will not escape. That's First Thessalonians five three. This has been used before throughout history. People being totally deceived, thinking peace. On, uh, when they were on the brink of disaster. Anybody remember Chamberlain with Hitler? Remember that? What did Chamberlain say? Negotiated peace with Hitler. We're going to have peace in our time. He's giving his speech, and the Nazis are invading Poland. Okay? So we have seen this before. The bow and the crown are, are symbolic, uh, and what this is for, it's a bow, so it's not a sword. This symbolizes that this person, the Antichrist, will have bloodless victories. They'll be, he'll be like, look I'm, look at all this. I'm negotiating. Everybody loves me. I'm, just, I'm, I'm bringing peace to the world. Uh, the, the crown is a winner's crown. It's not royal. It's just given to him by the world. Will not conquer by military force, but he will conquer by cunning and deceit. And if you want to read about uh, him in Second uh, Thessalonians, you can. Second Thessalonians 2, 9 through 11 It'll be peace by agreement. It will be a cold war. Uh, the world, out of gratitude, will honor him and elevate him to the position of supreme leadership, but both the accolades and the peace will be short-lived. It's not going to last, and it's going to get ugly. But the problem is when it gets ugly, everybody's given up any way to defend themselves against him. Because everybody's fallen in love with him and given up all their weapons and given up all their ability to defend themselves against him. And then he's going to go out and say, it's blood time. So that's the second horse uh, so and the second seal. So let's look at that in Revelation 6, 3 through 4. Revelation 6, 3 through 4. When he opened the second seal... I heard the second living creature say, come. I guess they're passing it around. Each one gets to call out a, a, a horseman. And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that the people should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. So uh, euphoria ends pretty quick, uh, and then the, the story turns ugly from here. And it's going to be ugly all the way until the Lord returns. Uh, from now, hey, that peace thing didn't last very long, and now it is U-G-L-Y all the way through now. The color of the horse depicts war. Obviously, you look at this, the color of the horse is a color of fire, the color of blood. Uh, and to him was granted uh, that he would be given the power to what? Take peace from the earth. So the Antichrist says, I'm here to bring peace. And he turns about three and a half years in. And now here comes peace being removed. Uh, God, uh, we must be clear, okay? These things are not the wrath of men. we got to be clear on this. Or the wrath of Satan. These things are the wrath of God. Worldwide conflict. Peace vanishes completely from the earth. People will slay each other on an unprecedented scale. Some of the commentaries were talking about that some of the numbers people are throwing around based on the population of the world at this time, people will be slaughtered in the billions. Like I said, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, he was given a great sword. Now, the word here that, uh, that uh, we, we put in English is sword. In the Greek, and you've heard us talk about this before with the Romans, this was that short stabbing sword that the Romans carried into battle. Uh, it was also a weapon used by assassins uh, when they were going out to assassinate somebody. The Antichrist, who, who was skillful at false peace, will be found to also be extremely skillful at war, extremely effective. Uh, Daniel 8.24 says he will destroy to an extraordinary degree and prosper to an extraordinary degree, and he will perform his will and he will destroy mighty men. He will destroy holy people among his victims. 
Matthew 24, 9, back to Matthew again, talks about this. Uh, um, and, and when we get to verse 9, you'll, you'll see even in this, it will show us the, those martyred in the tribulation. When, he, when we talk about him taking out people that have also repented, so he's going to slaughter the unrepented. He's going to slaughter those who repent. Immediately they'll be martyred. The others, of course, it'll be eternal doom. And what uh, the Antichrist is setting up is the abomination of desolation. Uh, Daniel 11.31, write these down. Daniel 12.11 talks about the abomination of desolation. Matthew 24.15, Jesus again, talks about the abomination of desolation. And, and this will touch off a massive conflict. Uh, and Daniel speaks of this in Daniel 11, uh, 36 through 45. And, and if you have time later, go and read that. Um, he will portray himself, the Antichrist, as a champion of peace. Uh, uh, he, he will appear to bring peace to the, uh, the troubled Middle East. He'll make a treaty with Israel. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll act like he's a protector and a defender but his true colors will be shown and he will overstep and he will bring rebellion and begin to crush all who oppose him, bringing wars that continue all the way up to the Lord Christ destroys all who oppose him. So this will be a period of the antichrist no longer being the peaceful rescuer of the world, but the world's enemy and slaughtering as many as he possibly can. And of course, Israel realizes when he, uh, you know, when he goes in and he actually blasphemes the throne of the temple. That's when they're like, "Uh oh, we've messed up." And then by then, here here comes destruction. So the next thing that uh, that John sees is now going to be the third seal and the third uh, horseman of the apocalypse in Revelation six, five through six. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, "Come." And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be the voice, a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a Daenerys, three quarts of barley for a Daenerys, and do not harm the oil and the wine. So a black horse, um, uh, it, it's, if, if you look at what Paul I'm sorry, Paul. John, what John says here, look what he says when he sees the third seal. He said, I looked and behold, a black horse. And if you look, there's an exclamation point there. He's really shocked by what this, this rider looks like. When he sees this horse, he's like, oh, man, this is bad. Behold. Wow, look, 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 at, look at what he looks like. Because black is associated with famine. Uh, you'll see that in Lamentations 5.10 if you want to write that down. It's logical that worldwide war will bring famine. Jesus predicts this again in Matthew 24. Uh, war will affect food supplies. Those who produce food uh, will be killed. I mean, if they're all slaughtered, uh, now you've lost all the people that farm, all the people that deliver it, all the people that do this. Famine uh, has been used by God for judgment throughout Scripture. Uh, if you want to see this, it, it's all throughout Scripture. There's so many verses, but I'll give you a few. Uh, Leviticus 26.26, 26, Deuteronomy 32.24, 2 Kings 8.1, Psalms 105.19, Isaiah 3.1, Jeremiah 16.4, Ezekiel 4.16 and 17, 5.16, 14, 13. But this will be the most devastating famine of all time. Don't say, well, we've had famine before. Not like this. Remember everything that, you, that we've seen. There, these, what we've seen, this is what you got to understand. Some of these things you're hearing going, well, we've seen war before. You have. We've seen famine before. You have. We've seen false peace before. You have. Yeah, we've we, we, we've seen natural disasters. We you have, but nothing like this. All those were shadows, so you'd know what they were. But they're nothing compared to this. The scales that the rider is holding, you know what this stands for? Rationing. 
Do you remember when the first time we experienced that in the pandemic? We were like, are we, are we rationing stuff? You know, other countries are, have, have been accustomed to that. You know, you go to California, rolling blackouts. Well, the rationing, I mean, it, it, it's going to be part of it because the the voice of the four creatures, you know, is is reminding all that this is judgment from God. A quarter of wheat, barley, is, when, he, when, that, when he uses that, that was enough to sustain one person for one day during the times of biblical history. Uh, a Daenerys is a day's wages, barely enough for you, but with the point that the writer is making, this is not enough for your family. You're going to have to decide who eats and who doesn't. There won't be enough to go around. Three quarts of barley will provide for a family, but, and this is another point, it almost has zero nutritional value. You may fill your stomach with it, but your body will not be getting what it needs. It will have no real value to your health other than you just are not as hungry. That's what this stands for. Usually it was only given to animals, and only a day's wages will barely feed a family with low-quality food. These are visuals that ultimately, and we've all seen the commercials of people who want us to help third-world countries. And and I know if you're like me, even as a child, do you remember how uncomfortable starvation looked to you? And rightfully so. All of this represents worldwide starvation. Don't damage the oil and the wine. These will become very valuable. That's why the, the, the horseman is saying that. Why, why would they become valuable? Well, uh, first of all, you need these things to prepare food. So you'd have a hard time preparing food without it. Uh, and also they were, they were used in these times to purify water so you could drink it. So you know what that black horse is saying? Don't waste the wine. Don't waste the oil. You're going to need it. And, uh, and, and, and this deceptive piece is followed by all-out worldwide war, and this will cause universal chaos. And keep in mind, this is all in the first half, and the worst is yet to come. This is still the first half. This is not the Great Tribulation. Now we see the fourth seal, and this one is very, very troubling. The fourth seal. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed after him, and they were given authority over a fourth of the earth. I want you to think about that. To kill with sword and with famine, and with pestilence. And then the one that for some reason I've always have a, had a morbid fear of, and by wild beast on the earth. I don't want any part of being killed by an animal. To me, I think that's a terrible death. I mean, a lot of times they eat on you, you're still alive. I mean, it, it's not quick. Uh, it, 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 it's ugly. I don't want to be eaten by sharks. I don't want to be killed by bears, lions, somebody's idiot dog, none of that stuff. I mean, I, I, that, that's, that's bad, bad stuff. And, and you know what? We've seen shadows of that. You know, we're seeing right now, and I talk about it on the air and everybody laughs at me, animals acting in bizarre ways. I mean, we've had people like be in a boat and like a fish come out of the water with swordfish and go right through them out of the water. My goodness, they took out Steve Irwin. I mean, I mean, we, I mean, and I mean, birds dive bombing people, animals acting in bizarre ways, all four shadows, all four shadows. Again, we ain't seen nothing yet. You know, this is one thing I learned studying this. I, I thought I understood the pale horse. Matter of fact, we have a Clint Eastwood movie about this. Of course, they're not using it right, like Scripture uses it, but it, it, it's an interesting movie. But the the the, the paleness here is actually chloros an ashen color from the English word chlorophyll. And what he really sees, and this is really gruesome, the horse is actually the color of a dead corpse. 
it's a dead body. You know how you, our bodies turn that pale greenish look. The horse is actually the color of a dead body. And uh, and when he sees this sickly pale yellow green color, vividly portraying the characteristics of the uh, a kind of a, a body that is rotting. And the rider's name is Death, and Death on a massive scale. War, famine, death. Hades followed. Death, of course, and Hades equal a grave, like grave diggers to bury the dead. That's why Hades is mentioned. This, this horse and this rider is reminding John and everybody who sees him the grave diggers better get ready. There's going to be a lot of graves to dig because I'm about to kill a fourth of the world. Authority was given to death in Hades to destroy a fourth of the population of the earth. That's a staggering number. I mentioned it earlier. A lot of the commentators, they got this anywhere at 1.5 to 1.8 billion people that will be killed. And you start thinking, well, how in the world is this this rider on the pale horse going to kill those kind of numbers? Has anybody seen the weapons we have now? Do you realize easy that's accomplished now? We we have a, we have weapons. We could kill everybody on Earth. How many times over? And so, with the weapons that we have for the kind of war that will be going on, killing this many people will not be that big of a deal for. The, the rider of the pale horse. And that is a doable number with the weapons that we have. Because remember, he says sword, famine have already been mentioned. Pestilence and wild beast are new. Now, now pestilence, if, if those of you that may watch the Marvel superhero movies, uh, Thanos, you know, the, there's the big evil guy. Well, that's where this word pestilence, that's another word for pestilence. Uh, death, but um, the, the, this means death by disease, but also natural disasters like earthquakes, floods, volcanoes, biological and chemical weapons. Disease, as we know, if you look at disease, even what we already know, remember these foreshadowings, if we look at disease, disease has already killed more people on a massive scale than war ever has. The Civil War... Uh, most of the deaths in the Civil War were actually attributed to the diseases that killed them from their wounds and the diseases that happened uh, when people began to eat things they would not normally eat. Uh, of course, we have 1918 and 19, the great influenza epidemic killed 30 million people. Uh, and, that, that, and we only had 8.5 million get killed in World War I. Wild beasts, not just those that can attack and kill, which I, I don't want any part of, but you got to understand that we're talking about disease here, pestilence, tied in with wild beasts. That's also an indicator, rats. You know, anybody remember the bubonic plague? How many people it killed? That's from rats. So uh, we're talking about animals playing a role there too. Black death in the 14th century wiped out one-fourth to one-third of Europe's population. So it can be done, not just with because you think, well, that's a lot of folks for these predators to tear down and eat. Well, it ain't a lot of folks for rats to kill with disease or any other animal that, that carries disease. So, again, and I'm going to go ahead and close this here for this week, and we'll finish uh, the other seals next week, Lord willing. You have to understand that even though all these things I've mentioned, we have seen versions of them. You must leave here today, and you must leave today listening to this, watching this, understanding nothing likes going to happen. What's coming after the church has been removed will be unrestrained. The worst pandemic you can think of will be nothing compared to these. Um, and, and, and that's why we're allowed to see them so we know what they are. Nothing as devastating as this has happened. Far worse is to come in the remainder of the seals that we'll cover next week. And and one thing that I, I thought about, and it's it's a you remember how many of you, 
in here, well, you don't have to raise your hand. I mean, some of you I know in here were here when we studied Knowing God by J.I. Uh, J. Packer, right? A lot of you were in here. Or you've read the book on your own. So, and if you want to go back on archives sometimes, guys, you can do that. It's, it's there. But, but remember what J.I. Packer, inspired by the Holy Spirit, was, was trying to remind us. You, you, you can know a lot about God and still not know God. Because when we choose the know a lot about God versus knowing God, we find ourselves almost like a buffet, only picking his characteristics we like. We love his grace. We love his love. And if we could take a pass on his wrath and his judgment, we would. We're not even that crazy about his holiness. Because that's, that's, the, pro- that's the problem we got, that he's holy and we're not. And so we need redemption. And what, what we got to do, and that's why those of you that have not been redeemed, I'm begging you, you got to come off this thing of trying to make God into something that we're more comfortable with. And you've got to understand that he makes no apologies for who he is. And the fact that he, he, he the fact that this kind of wrath has to come because of his holiness this kind of judgment, which will be perfect, has to come, okay? That's what makes his love and his grace so wonderful. Can I tell you guys this, and you all heard me say it in here before, and I know it bothers some of you, and I'm sorry. That's just telling you how flawed I am. But I understand how sinful I am, and I understand how sinful I've been. So God's wrath makes perfect sense to me. I find his grace and his love to be far more amazing and surprising. I can't believe he hasn't already killed me. But he's going to if I didn't repent. Eventually, he says, I must eradicate all who oppose me. Remember we said a few weeks ago, we always look at that and go, that's Satan and that's demons. Yes, but it's also every human who rebels against him as well. We, the, the rebellious will go with them because they will be removed. All who oppose him will be removed. But he's trying. He's sitting there so gracious. You're going to see this as we look forward. The martyrs are going to be crying out to him next week, let's go. Avenge us. And he says, put some robes on them. Just tell them it's just a little bit longer. Why a little bit longer? Because he's so gracious. He's even pouring out his wrath and still allowing a window for some to repent who now, no matter how much they doubted, will finally go, hey, I guess all this was real. Does it amaze you that there's people that still won't do it, though? But think about how long you and I put it off. I knew the truth long before I ever did anything about it. So I I guess I understand. But But remember this. The writer of Hebrews, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10.31. The great message that was delivered in New England, and that was what? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. When that was delivered, if you go back and read about it, And I know that we try to shy away from this kind of stuff. And I understand that that can't be what we talk about all the time. We, people need to know about God's grace, and they need to know about God's love because it's so hopeful. But you also have to understand about his judgment and wrath because I don't know about y'all. Right now, I'm real thankful for his grace on what, we've been, what we're studying right now. That people begin to cry out during the sermon, what must I do to, to be saved? I mean, they were interrupting him. They, were, they said that people were crying in the congregation. Now, keep in mind, preaching like this has almost been, um, it's considered to be bad form. Now, I will say that those who heard that message in New England and repented when they heard about the wrath of God that was coming on those who don't repent, I bet they're not upset with him. The pastor who told me 
that he saw no evidence of the transformation of Christ in my life? There were been a lot of people who said that was kind of a mean thing for him to say. I don't have a problem with it because it saved my life. And so did I like it at the time? Probably not. I remember thinking, who are you to say this about me? Who are you to be completely correct? Uh, but um, <laughs> who are you to point out things that I can't argue with? Uh, but it led to my what? Conviction. The Holy Spirit convicted me because I had to hear it. I had to hear the standard. I had to hear, you know, it's what we hope to accomplish, you know, with this, this little 31-day devotional. I, I hope some of you will go through that and say, wow, this is just Scripture. This is not something Rick came up with. This is all, this is all in the Bible. So anyway, for the unrepentant, there will be no escape from the terrors of the tribulation. But did you know there's still something worse than the tribulation? Hell. It's better to repent during times of trouble than to never repent and face eternal death. Hebrews 2, 3. How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? I was in Nicaragua. Some of you heard this story. And I ran into two English-speaking people, and of course he ended up being an, uh, an atheist. Only I could find the only atheist in Nicaragua. I thought, somebody speaks English, we can talk about Jesus. And he began to tell me how he didn't believe in God. And, and of course, as I've said, he's really not an atheist, he's an agnostic. Uh, atheist means you can prove there is no God, which nobody can. And uh, so you're agnostic. You're saying, I see no evidence of God. I don't believe in God. And I understand that. At least, you know, you get there. And he, he said what has been said a thousand times. I mean, you, you hear this kind of stuff, and you've heard it. And I love that he thought I was, he was the first person to ever tell me this. That was my favorite, that I'd never heard this before. And, um, and he said, I just cannot worship a God that is going to wipe people out and destroy them if they don't. If they, he's going to send people to hell just because they don't believe in him. And I said, well, I don't know what God you're talking about. And he said, what? I said, that's not the God that redeemed me. He said, well, isn't it true that people will go to hell if they don't believe? And I said, well, if they, if they don't repent of their sin, which means turns from sin, and they they now acknowledge that Jesus, God in human form, went to a cross and took the wrath of a holy God on himself, protecting all who repent and leave faith in ourselves and put our faith in him. He said, yeah, that. What, what, that. And so if they don't do that, they go to hell. I said, that's right. He says, well, then that's what I said. I can't believe in a God's going to send people to hell. I said, but you missed it. That's not the God that we serve. I am serving a God who delivered me from hell. Yeah, that, yeah, all this is coming. It's true. But God didn't... This is coming because of God's character. There's nothing he can do. He's holy. He must eradicate sin and all who rebel against him because he's completely holy and cannot be in the presence of sin. So instead of on that... Y'all, guys... Look at even the building of the ark. He gives those people 120 years to repent. He could have said, I like I, I, Noah's righteous. His family's righteous. I'm killing everybody today. It's, about, it's Thursday afternoon. I'm done with you. No, he said, go out there and build this ark in front of them for 120 years and keep telling them why you're building it and that my destruction on the earth is coming by, by, by a worldwide flood, which y'all don't even know what it is because I've never seen this kind of rain before. You build this thing, and you do it for 120 years, and that will give them their best shot. But what he's done now is there's another ark, and his name is Jesus, and he is over 2,000 years right now as the clock's running, 
saying, get on the ark. I didn't rush this. I'm giving you ample time to get on the ark. Repent and accept the gift of redemption that I gave you in my son. And all these things you're hearing will never touch you. My wrath will be poured out on all the unrepented. But for those of you that repent, your earthly life may not be easy. But your eternal life will be rid of all this. And you'll never face my wrath. I put my wrath on my son. And all that are with him are covered. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your grace and thank you for your your kindness. You didn't rebel against us. We rebelled against you. And Lord, thank you for even showing John what was coming so all of us who have a copy of your holy inspired word can see what's coming and make a decision an informed decision on whether we want to face your wrath or we want to be under your grace. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us.